You say, where is that? Well, in my Bible, it's on page 912. It might be easiest to go to Matthew and then turn toward the front. It's four books from Matthew, okay? So, and they're short books. But Zephaniah, this week we're going to be looking in our Wednesday study on Zephaniah and Haggai. So this morning we're looking at Zephaniah. And tonight, Lord willing, we'll be looking at some thoughts from the book of Haggai, but you'll get into those in much more detail on our Wednesday various Bible studies. Um, The book of Zephaniah is a book that um, comprises of two sides of of one coin, if you please, it, it more fully develops the day of the Lord, which we'll be talking about here, than any of the other prophets. Really, if you were to say, what is the theme of Zephaniah? It is in reference to the day of the Lord. Um, the two sides of it that we'll be looking at that Zephaniah brings out is that of judgment on one side and that also of blessing. The day of the Lord is any time that God intervenes directly and dramatically in history either to judge or bless. And in this context, The day of the Lord is the extended period of time between, well, the the period of time that God's dealing with Israel following the rapture of the church as believers. We just sang, and Lord, haste the day when he comes again. It deals with that time after the catching up of the believers through the seven year period of tribulation through the 1,000 year reign of Christ on the earth and then the new heavens and the new earth. And we'll, we'll just touch very, very briefly on some of those things. Um, much more detail will be one of our speakers at family camp will be Billy Crone. His specialty is prophecy and um, He will be dealing with some of these things. And our other speaker, since you're wondering, is Marty Heron. He is um, Executive Vice President of Faith Baptist Bible College. He pastored in Guam for many years. Before that, he was on staff at Northland Baptist Bible College, a, a great friend of Dr. Olala and shares the same heart. And we're looking forward to to that. So be sure you do your signing up for family camp. But back to the book of Zephaniah. And, and I would really encourage you to read and reread this book before our, our classes on Wednesday. And if you are not able to come on Wednesday, you still read and reread them. But... The day of the Lord um, portrays, as we mentioned, divine judgment upon the world, 
then followed by unparalleled blessing. God will rule with a rod of iron. He will administer absolute justice. And we're going to look briefly at some of this and then, Lord willing, make what does this all mean to me? What is, what is an application from this? If you are like me, you hear news of what took place in El Paso and you think, what is going on? And I, all I did was see a headline. I don't know, but I guess there was a shooting in Dayton, Ohio last night that took a number of lives as well. And, and I mean, everywhere you look anymore, you see things and it's like, what in the world is going on? And, and is the whole world out of control? And, Is evil ever going to be dealt with? And there come a lot of questions. Zephaniah was a prophet that God raised up to speak to to speak to Israel. And it was a a warning to them and also an extended blessing to them. Um, we're going to see the two aspects of this. If I could have Andrew and Asa come up here just for a minute. Andrew, I want you to, to stand right down here, and Asa, you stand up here. Zephaniah is, is writing this book, and he sees two things. He sees immediately how it affects, and we'll touch on that, Back up a little bit. There we go. And then he sees the future blessing. As often the case in the Old Testament, they're writing, dealing with Israel, between Israel, Jesus Christ coming, and his fulfillment of prophecies to Israel, there is this period here. If you've been out west, And seen mountains, you look at mountains and you think, hey, let's go to that peak and then we'll go to that peak. Well, then when you drive to this peak, you think, wow, I didn't know there was so much space in between here, between this peak and that peak, because from our perspective, we can't see that. So, Zephaniah is writing and he is going to be dealing with things that will come immediate fulfillment, but then he also mentions to them things that will be future. We, living where we are, are in this segment right here between. So you say, well, why are we even wasting our time studying the book of Zephaniah then if it deals with before us and after us? You can ask God that when you get there, but hopefully we'll help give you some insight. So, In realizing this, he deals with a couple of things. He deals with judgment and blessing, and the blessing are are yet to come of what he's mentioning for Israel. Thank you, guys. You may sit down, okay? They are mountain of men, right? Don't let that go to their head, okay? We'll We'll bring them down to reality, all right? So, in Zephaniah chapter 1... 
the word of the Lord came to him, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 2 of chapter 1. And, and I want you to note, Zephaniah is saying, number one, there is coming a time of God's active judgment in which God will bring judgment. And notice what he says in verse 1. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks, along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place, the names of the idolatrous priest with the pagan priest, those who worship the hosts of heaven on housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, by who also swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. It shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. In the same day I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate and a wailing from the second quarter and a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maketesh, for all the merchant people are cut down. All those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in the heart, in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Therefore their goods shall become booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant a vineyard, but not drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out, That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord." Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. So, here is an... An ominous warning that is given that God says, this is what I am going to do. God is going to judge. And, and just quickly, we're not going to mention each case. 
But he said, I am going to bring judgment on those who practice paganism in verse 4. Those who mix the worship of God with the worship of other deities in verse 5. Those who reject and turn away from the faith of their fathers in verse 6. He said, those that, that choose to identify with the heathen and, and identify even by their apparel in verse 8. Those who practice violence and deceit in verse 9. And, and later, we won't take the time now, but in chapter 3, um, he mentions at the beginning of chapter 3, those who refuse God's instruction, who have ignored his warnings, God is going to bring judgment down. You look throughout history and, and you think of all the, the people that have been used of Satan to bring devastation and, and ruin to people all throughout history. But God says, I am going to bring judgment. I am a just God. And in this, in this period between the initial coming of Christ and his second coming, now known as the age of grace, God has, has not often intervened directly in bringing his judgment for the reason it's called the age of grace. And yet God says there is coming a day, and as you read through that, the words devastation and desolation and darkness and gloominess and and on and on it goes. Those that have abused their authority, that they were entrusted, that have put their trust in anything but God, there is a coming judgment that God is going to bring upon mankind. It is recorded beginning basically in Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation 20. If you want to read of the coming judgment that is coming to this earth, we, we see our news plastered with with events that are, are horrific. But there'll be nothing compared to the judgment that God brings upon mankind because of its rebellion against God, because of its denial against, of God, and literally war against God. And God says, that's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring my judgment. I am, I am going to... Um, bring it upon the peoples and the nations, and we are going to make things right. So, again, we just mentioned briefly that there is coming a time of God's active judgment. But turn to chapter 3. There is also coming a time of restoration and blessing. In chapter 3 and verse 9, notice I'll begin reading at verse 9. For then I will restore to the people a pure language that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Now notice these are blessings that he's giving. 
From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. In that day you shall not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, And they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy, the King of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, O do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back. Even at the time I gather you, I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, saith the Lord. So here he says, there is coming a judgment, but he's writing to Israel and he says, I am going to bring restoration. I am going to bring blessing. Your sins will be forgiven. You will be cleansed of your sins. You will be delivered through divine judgment. You were scattered throughout all the nations. I will gather you back. You were shamed before all nations. I will remove that, that shame, and you will be honored. You will have fame and honor and security and peace. They will enjoy the blessing of the Lord's presence with them as he rejoices over them as the objects of his love. So, he he gives these, these warnings, and he gives these promises. Kind of like um, a lot of the prophets, I've referred to it before, and, and you can see where my mind kind of goes. It's kind of like the an Oreo cookie, okay? Here's the warnings, the outside chocolate. Here's the promises, and then inside is the application, okay? And and we want to look at this application, but he gives a warning, and he gives promise as incentives to them to do what? Well, we'll look at that in just a moment. But Israel will be restored. God is already regathering Israel. And Israel has been the shame in the nations where they have been scattered, and God is at work in Israel today, although they're in unbelief. 
But he will fulfill what is promised in Zephaniah 3 and what we've looked at in Ezekiel and Daniel and what we look at through the book of Revelation and what was promised to Abraham in the book of Genesis. So we, we say, okay, that deals with Israel. But the reality is this judgment that is coming is coming upon earth. It's coming upon mankind. The seven-year tribulation will affect south-central Iowa. It affect people you know. It will affect your neighbors. It will affect every aspect of life around the world. And, and God gives us these truths in these books for specific reasons. Number one application, I think it's important for us to rejoice in God's character and power. He is a God of justice, but he is a God of mercy. And we are in error if we emphasize one to the exclusion of the other. Some emphasize God is a God of mercy and and he won't bring justice. No, he will bring justice. Some are heavy on the judgment and weak on the mercy. God is perfectly in all his doings in justice and in mercy. And we ought to rejoice. He is a God of wrath and grace. He is a God of tear, and, and you, you'll read through this, tear and yet tenderness. He said, I will bring you to me, and I will rejoice over you as my loved one. I mean, we serve a God who is perfect in all his way, and, and he will bring judgment on sin, and yet he's offered to forgive sin. So... We need to read Zephaniah looking for the character of God. But turn, if you would, to chapter 2. Chapter 2, he says, after chapter 1 is talking about the judgment, and chapter 3, the blessing, he says in chapter 2, "...gather yourselves together, yes, gather together, O undesirable nation." Before the decree is issued or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, and here's what he tells them to do. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So the first thing he says, after we rejoice in God's character, is seek the Lord. This means that the number one goal of our life that he's telling them, that speaks to us, is to know God, to have a heart that seeks after God. It doesn't matter anything else in life. Jeremiah said, don't let the rich man glory in his riches or the wise man in his wisdom or the strong man in his strength, but let a man glory in this, that he knows God. And he says the first thing 
is to seek the Lord. That begins with salvation. That begins in realizing I am here as a result of God's doing. God is the one who created me. God is the one who designed me. God is the one who has put me here, and he had a definite purpose for me, and he has a definite plan for me. But I became the God I didn't become. I was born as my own God, self-ruled, and I went away from God's plan. And the end result of rebellion against God is separation from God, and that will be separation for eternity if something isn't done about it. And the only way that we can have forgiveness of sin is through Jesus Christ. Seeking God does not mean just um, going and, and meditating somewhere and I'm going to think about God. There first of all has to be spiritual life that is brought to us so that we can seek God. And spiritual life only comes when we are born again. Jesus said to John, You want to go to heaven? You want to have eternal life? He said, you must be born again in John 3. And John says, well, how can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? He says, no, that which is born of the flesh physically is flesh. But to be born spiritually, that which is born of the spirit is that which is born spiritually. And he then went on and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So to seek the Lord, there first of all has to be a point in time where we know and acknowledge I am a sinner before God. And there is no forgiveness except through Jesus Christ. And call upon him and then we have spiritual life. Then we seek him through his word, through fellowship with him, and walk in his ways. And make it the goal of our life to know him. So he says, I want you to seek me. Judgment is coming, he's saying. What do we need to do? Seek the Lord. Then he says, secondly, in verse 3, and to be humble. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. And he goes on later and says, seek righteousness, seek humility. This involves understanding that he is God and I am not. This involves understanding who he is and who I am. It means self-denial, putting self off the throne of our life. It's a vertical relationship. And we'll get to it in a minute. It's as well a horizontal relationship. So he says, it's, it's seek the Lord and seek the Lord in humility. We don't have the time to go into it, but throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, be clothed with humility, put on lowliness of mind, humility. And then he says that we are to obey God's commands, to walk in righteousness. Righteousness is doing what is right. It is loving God, 
and loving our neighbor. What's the greatest way you can love your neighbor? There's no greater love than you can give for your neighbor, but to share how to avoid the wrath of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But it's, it's a commitment. I want to know your commands, God, and I give myself to know your commands, but I'm not content with knowing your commands. I want to obey them. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, James tells us. He that hears the word but does not do it, James also tells us, he deceives his own self, thinking, wow, I'm really good. I, I heard the word. No, it matters that we do it, that we implement it in our lives. So he says, seek the Lord, be humble, obey God's commands, and look in chapter 3 and verse 8, another exhortation Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. Wait on the God. Wait on God. He will right the wrongs, and he will restore the righteous. You may have been wronged in your life. Don't worry about it. God will right the wrongs. We just need to continue to wait before him, have a heart that seeks him, in humility obey his commands. And God says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The waiting on God. You, as I said, you may have been wrong, feel you have been wronged in your life. Give it to God, wait on God, and let Him take care of it. You are troubled by evil that you see in the world. And it's not just to dismiss it, but to realize, wait a minute, God is a just God. He is going to bring justice, and I can trust Him to do what is right. I just better make sure that I am walking with him. I better make sure that I am seeking him in a humility of mind. I better make sure that I am walking in obedience to his commands, not in order to be saved, but because I am saved. And the waiting on the Lord. Here it is, God says, I'll take care of this. I will bring judgment. That's the first mountain. But he said, I also am going to bring blessing. That's the second mountain. And he is going to bring judgment on this earth. It ought to make us, um, when we realize the the far-reaching extent of the judgment of God over one half of the world's population will perish in the seven year period of tribulation. This is a this is something that, that this world hasn't seen since since Noah's flood and the chaos and the spiritual warfare that will take place 
as Satan leads, the Antichrist leads his armies against God and the battle of Armageddon, God is going to bring judgment and then God is going to set up 1,000 years of blessing. And Zephaniah was reminding the people, he's, he's reminding, God is going to judge sin. You better deal with sin in your own life. And he's also saying, don't lose hope. God is going to make things right, and God is going to bring rich, rich blessings. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see him. And indeed, that's, that's the, the end that you read in Zephaniah chapter 3, where he says, I will gather you to me, and you will be the object of my love. Are you here today, and yes, are you spiritually alive? Has there been a time that you were born spiritually If not, today needs to be the day. If you are, are you seeking the Lord? Or are you seeking your ease, your comfort, your retirement, whatever else it is? Seek the Lord in a humble spirit. Obey His commands and wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, I say, And wait on the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that the truths of Zephaniah would would find good ground in our hearts. And I pray if there is one here today that is not sure their sins are forgiven, God, I pray today would be the day of salvation where they call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers, may we be walking in your spirit in obedience to you with a heart that seeks after you. May we be instruments used to warn others of the coming judgment, of the wrath of you upon mankind, and also then to share the glorious message that it can be well with our soul. Our sin has been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. Lord, may we bring the dual message of judgment and blessing and may we see your hand glorified through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.